I think if we're really learning and if we're really growing and if we're really gaining a revelation of who he is, there would be a constant breathlessness and a constant level of gratitude that's not forced. So I would say that each of us, we need to press into really knowing him. Welcome to the Jesus Calling Podcast. Today's guests have experienced the heroic influence of God in their lives and have strived to convey the power of His presence in their lives to others. Pastor Derek Greer and inspirational children's publisher Wayne McKay. While he was growing up, if you would have asked Dr. Derek Greer what he would do for a living, he admits that being a pastor was the last thing he thought he'd do, and yet he defied expectations by becoming the founder of Grace Church, named by Outreach Magazine as one of the fastest-growing churches in America. As an introverted young person, Dr. Greer relates how he overcame his aversion to groups by understanding how he is uniquely wired to connect with others. He shares about his troubled youth and how an encounter with God changed the direction he was headed. He also passes on some insight from his new book, When God Stops. My name is Derek Greer. I'm the husband of 25 years to the love of my life. I'm also the father of two young men now. Uh, I'm also the pastor of Grace Church in Dumfries, Virginia. We're about 30 miles outside of uh, Washington, D.C. And, uh, you know, if, if I was to explain, you know, who I am and what my passion is, I, I'd probably say to, to help people build authentic and dynamic and powerful relationships with Jesus and, and help folks live lives bigger and more significant than they probably ever imagined. And, and I think that's the pulse of our ministry. I'm probably one of the most unlikely people to ever become a pastor that you'd ever meet. I wasn't raised in a Christian home. Uh, my mother did attend church some when I was a teenager, but on Thanksgiving, uh, you know, my dad would say, you know, what am I thanking God for? He never did anything for me. Now today, he's my biggest fan and uh, he goes to church himself and he'll sometimes watch even two services, you know, live stream our services here before he goes to church. So a lot has happened in, in my father's life, but uh, both my parents, uh, they grew up in poor flats in the South Bronx in New York City. Um, you know, they shared bathrooms with all the families on the hall. And uh, both dads, uh, my mother's father and my father's father, left them when they were young. Uh, so at, at 16, you know, my dad, he, he signed up for the Air Force. So he's a military guy. Uh, and he did that to get out of the streets of New York. And he served in the Korean War. And uh, then when he returned to the States, he married my mom. And uh, I have, uh, you know, two older sisters and, and a younger brother. And I, I guess if, if I was to describe the ethos of, of my house, it's, it's probably pretty simple. My, my parents loved us, but they made it clear that we live in a tough world. And if we wanted to survive, we had to be twice as good and we had better learn to take care of ourselves. The kids would be out in the street playing football. I'd have to stand at the window 15 minutes, psych myself out to go out in the street. Most of the time, I didn't psych myself out. I learned to play basketball, you know, really with myself. I made the team, but it was hard staying on a team because of just the way I was wired. So, again, for me to become a pastor is amazing um, because uh, of my introversion. One thing that has helped me is um, I now understand introversion a little differently than I did as, as a younger person. I was embarrassed by it. The way I have learned to describe it is basically introversion versus extroversion is more about how you refuel. And an extrovert is kind of like the airplane that can refuel while it's flying. I'm a guy that has to land to refuel. And um, it's not that I'm, you know, 
my I, I, not that I can't fly as, as long or as, as well as anyone else, um, but it's just that um, I, I need some downtime. So I refuel by uh, being, you know, uh, in a small group. Um, others refuel, you know, man, they just feed off of others in the room and, and that gives them energy. So it's not that I'm a bad person or a weaker person. It's just how I refuel emotionally versus the way others do. And that that's helped me. Um, not condemn myself and beat myself over it. I ran with kids a lot older than uh, me, and, and I did things kids my age shouldn't do, and I probably went a lot of places I, I shouldn't go. By the time I reached high school, I was getting into all types of trouble, and um, both my parents feared that I wouldn't finish high school. Um, and one day I, I did something I, I call kid stupid, and uh, my father told me, hey, all I want you to do is graduate high school, and go into the military, go into the army, or do something uh, with yourself. But just find a way to, to um, again, graduate, and maybe the military will make a, a man out of you. And the fact that he thought that graduating high school was about the best I could do, it really got me mad. So this was one of these moments where rebellion worked for me. So I turned my grades around to prove that I could chart my own destiny and become my own man. And uh, when I did it, uh, you know, by that time I'd moved back to New Jersey. But an old friend from New York called me and, uh, you know, that person had graduated and uh, they were at Howard University and they told me how beautiful the girls were. I mean, went on and on about how incredible the, 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 the young ladies were at Howard University. So I was at that point, I was like, I have to get into that school. So I applied and to my surprise, I was accepted. I began to read the Gospels and in it, I discovered a man that... Uh, I, I, I was just absolutely floored by the person I discovered in scripture. I don't really have words to describe it. I mean, this guy walked through angry crowds unarmed, calm storms with the word. I mean, he didn't flinch uh, before standing when he was standing before a pilot. And I mean, the, the strength of Jesus was, was amazing. And then at his weakest moment on the cross, he still forgave. And, um, after months of reading, I finally concluded that, you know what, this was more than just a man. And um, I gave my life to Jesus Christ. And what, what, what really captured me, um, his, his message was phenomenal, though I didn't quite understand it all. But what captured me was his character. The character of the person of Jesus um, had, had just, it, it, he captured me. He became my hero even before he became my Lord. I met my wife actually doing a favor for uh, two lady friends of mine, and they went into the beauty supply store, uh, Sally's Beauty Supply, and um, I got a little impatient. It was really hot outside, and uh, I decided I'd go in and check on them, you know, make them come out. And um, I went into the store, and there was this, this beautiful young lady standing there in a pink smock, and I'll never forget it. And... Uh, uh, we met that day, and the rest is history. We started church on 14th Street. At that time, it was the center of prostitution and drugs uh, in the city. And that location shut down because of a lack of funding. Most of the folks that came uh, to our services were from the homeless shelter right on the corner. And um, it was just not funding. My wife and I, we were carrying it. At that point, I began to question my decision to enter the ministry and, um, you know, Ministry has really started becoming more of a nightmare than, than, than a blessing. So 
you know, I kept feeling haunted. If you want to, I think that's the best way to describe it because I, my brain was saying, no way, you know, hey, I'm not good at this. I'm not wired for this. Um, I must have misconstrued some things. But my heart was saying, hey, this is what I called you to and, and feed my sheep, feed my sheep, feed my sheep, which is a reference to what he said to, to Peter. And uh, finally, I just got tired of it. I said, listen, I'm going to go and, and, and step out there one more time. So I took a advance, uh, cash advance, forgive me, for my credit card. And uh, I rented an auditorium, uh, a high school auditorium. But uh, we grew pretty quickly. We started at 12. We grew to 30. That was amazing because my church on 14th Street, we never exceeded. Uh, well, sometimes we exceeded 30 people. Just, typically, the most was about 60 or so. But by the end of 1998, we had over 100 attending. And then we'd grow to about uh, 250. Now, that may not sound like, you know, a lot of people to some. Uh, but this was the late 90s, and uh, also I was grateful to have anyone come and, and be a part of this great journey that I was on with Jesus. So, um, you know, I, I was excited. Uh, and then in 2007, we moved to an economically challenged small town about maybe 10 minutes from the high school. But it was in a small town of about 5,000 people, and we built a 300-seat sanctuary. Uh, the, the rub was most of the people from the high school didn't come. And a lot of the reason was the blight in the area. Um, but I think another part of it was probably my poor leadership. But um, we, I, I felt an assignment to, you know, uh, not just reach the, the, the wealthy. I really had a desire to, to reach folks from disadvantaged uh, means. And uh, we grew to four services. Um, and, uh, you know, it was overwhelming, you know, that... 300 seat sanctuary was serving uh, over a thousand people on a weekend and uh, then in 2012 we built a thousand seat auditorium right across the street and our thinking was you know what we'll probably be in this building for you know the next 25 years and we'll only need one service but by the first service we needed two services and then we expanded to three and uh, you know people ask me well how did you grow uh, your church how did you do that i don't really think i grew my church as much as my church grew me you know doing life with people loving folks good times bad times um it it it, it, it and especially being out at front it, it really causes you to have to grow at a different level and pace uh, than you would otherwise one of my biggest surprises in ministry was my fear was i am not only a teacher I love Jesus and I love his truth. I love his word. And my fear was that there'd be so much pressure on me to, to compromise the message in order for us to grow. But I found quite the opposite that, you know, if you're true to the message, folks are hungry and, um, you know, yeah, people have their arguments, et cetera, but if it, if you began to really communicate God's uh, truth caringly, consistently, and clearly, hungry people will be the path to your door because people want to know God. They're not just interested in being part of a club. They're not really interested in dumbing down uh, or having the message dumbed down as much as people desperately, these times, it's very, very dark out there. People need the Lord. And that's exactly uh, what many folks want. So God, though, you know, he, he, I, I don't know why he trusted us, but 
uh, he, he, I guess he saw our motivation and um, we, we learned how to do things uh, over time in, in a way I, I think that that pleased him, but it wasn't because we were a better church or a more passionate church than any other group of people. Um, I, I just think it was his, his mercy. Every morning, I typically go for a walk for two miles, and that's my quiet time. And it's, it's just my routine now, and I'm, I'm expecting it. And uh, that routine has helped me. And um, some people are fueled by being around people. I'm the opposite in that I get tired. I know everyone has to refuel themselves, but I really have to refuel myself. Um, otherwise, I'll start withdrawing. I will uh, end up quiet when I should speak. And when you're a pastor, um, you're in a situations where you're not uh, speaking uh, to them. You you can, you can find yourself in, in, in trouble. So um, uh, I, I've learned that I have to keep myself fueled up fire it up and pay attention uh, I don't I don't do it perfectly even with you know the, the walks in the morning and getting into the word again when I'm weak he's, he's strong and um, he designs us you know some people in this one area they really need the Lord a whole lot other people it's another area so this just happens to be my area and um, he's he's been good he's been faithful though Dr. Greer reflects on how allowing God to push him beyond the limits of what he thinks he can do helps him grow as a person and a pastor. He shares a passage from Jesus Always that talks about how God is looking to expand our joy by growing us into what we're ultimately meant to be. He also shares the premise behind his new book, When God Stops. I have chosen to keep allowing God to kind of push the envelope in my life. So if an opportunity presents itself and I just have a, a green light in my heart, I, I've learned to take those um, and, and to step out into them. Because uh, in those those moments of, of need, especially when something's new, you, you're not good at it yet. And you really, really need God. But what happens is when your life is real predictable, uh, everything's going just the way you think it should and has planned, um, it's really easy to get caught up into what you uh already know versus really pursuing uh, new insights and, and re revelations. This is Jesus Always, September 13th. Your life is a precious gift for me. Open your hands and your heart to receive this day gratefully. Relate to me as your Savior and friend, but remember I'm also your Creator God. All things were created by me. As you go through this day that's gifted to you, look for signs of my abiding presence. I'm with you, watching over you continually. On bright, joyful days, speak to me about the pleasures I provide. As you thank me for them, your joy will expand abundantly. On dark, difficult days, grasp my hand in trusting dependence. I will help you, beloved. Your physical life is an amazing gift, but your spiritual life is a treasure of infinite value. People who don't know me as Savior will spend eternity in terrible separation from me. But because you belong to me, you will live with me forever, enjoying a glorified body that will never get sick or tired. Since I've saved you by grace through faith, let thankfulness for this indescribable gift uh, fill you with overflowing joy. The book is about eight people in the Bible that Jesus stopped for. Um, Jesus had a very busy schedule. There were tens of thousands of people that he could have talked to, stopped for, did miracles for, etc. I spent time 
digging in. Why did he stop for the people that he did stop for in the scriptures? So the woman with the issue of blood, the, the 10 lepers and the one that returned, the disciples in the storm, Zacchaeus, uh, who was up a tree, the woman caught in a, the act of adultery, uh, a couple that was getting married at Cana, the man at the pool of the state, Bethesda, and uh, also a blind Bartimaeus. I think Bartimaeus is probably my, my favorite of all time. But Jesus stopped for them. And with Bartimaeus, he was on the road to Jerusalem where he was going to be killed. But he stopped for a beggar. And um, he literally stopped in his tracks because that man was calling him. And my thinking was, hey, if we could learn why Jesus stopped for these characters, we can also discover how and why he would stop for us because Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And if he doesn't change, and if we apply the same principles, we could have some of the same results today. You know, in the Old Testament, they would uh, go to a new land and have an experience with God, and then they build a stone, a uh, stone of remembrance, a place of stone of remembrance there. Um, and then they go somewhere else and, and then do the same thing. And at each place, there was a new revelation of God. But what happens is sometimes we just stay in that place where God revealed himself to us 20 years ago. And that's, that's, it's a great place. We need to uh, remember that place and, and uh, value and esteem what God did in that season. But there's so much more to learn about God. And we have to continue to, to step out in our faith journey and, and do things that we have not done before in order for us, I think, to, to continue to, to get a growing revelation of, of who God is. You can find Dr. Greer's book, When God Stops, at your favorite book retailer today. Stay tuned for our conversation with Wayne McKay, the mastermind behind the new graphic novel series for kids called Bible Force, after a brief message about a new edition of Jesus Calling. Jesus Calling has a wide array of book styles for all types of readers. Now, there's something new that's designed to appeal to the men in your life. The same beloved Jesus Calling content now comes in a leather soft, yet durable slate gray cover that is perfect for the man on the go and makes a great gift for dads, uncles, brothers, whoever that special man is in your life. Check out the new gray leather soft edition of Jesus Calling today at JesusCalling.com or wherever Christian books are sold. Motherhood. It's a journey like no other, teeming with love, unparalleled dedication, and moments that pierce the very essence of your soul. It's a trek that demands to be celebrated, lauded, and embraced in its entirety. Celebrate the moms in your life this Mother's Day with two beautiful gift books, Jesus Calling for Moms by Sarah Young and Grace for the Moment for Moms by Max Licato. These heartfelt devotionals will remind the moms in your life just how special they are. Jesus Calling for Moms and Grace for the Moment for Moms are available now where all books are sold. During times of transition and unknown next steps, it's more important than ever to cling to the promises of God and to tune your ear to what Jesus has to say. Jesus Calling for Graduates is an encouraging compilation of 150 devotions from Sarah Young's brand. Grads will find topics such as discerning God's will, self-worth, trust, support, and much more. Jesus Calling for Graduates is perfect for both high school and college graduates as they embark on the next chapter. Look for our special custom edition of Jesus Calling for Graduates, available exclusively at faithgateway.com.
Growing up, Wayne McKay sat in Sunday school, trying hard to understand the words of the Bible. But time and again, he came up short and wished there was something, as a kid, that was easier for him to read. As an adult, Wayne made it his goal to create inspirational products for kids, and along with a colleague named Peter Hicks, they launched Bible Force, a visual version of the Bible they always wished they had when they were little. Today, Wayne talks about why it's so important to get inspirational messages to kids early to teach them about the hero they can find in God. My name is Wayne McKay, and I live in Sydney, Australia. I'm a really simple person who enjoys a less complicated life, which is shared with my wife and children. I own my own company, which has three separate divisions. The most prominent of these outside Australia is our publishing business, where I focus on high-quality children's educational and inspirational products, which is my real passion. I've been focused on this now for over 25 years, and it is something that I truly love. Bible study and church life was the cornerstone of our life when I was a child. Uh, the church in particular played a really big, important part with my family. So, um, in fact, my entire family's social uh, fabric and network surrounded around the church. Um, so all of our family and friends went to the same church, which was a place called uh, Presbyterian Church of Beacon Hill on Sydney's northern beaches. And, um, and I also went to church and Sunday school there as well. I wasn't a very good student of the Bible when I was a kid because I just didn't understand it. So if I'd have had a picture story where I could have looked at something, then I would have been far more interested. I think it's really important to get the Bible into children's hands as early as possible but also in a very simple format. I think that um, Bible in particular has really good life lessons. If we can get kids thinking along those terms as early as possible, then I think we've done the right thing. So if we start to share some of those life lessons early, and, and I don't just mean with Christian children as well, because I'm, we're trying to attract people from both walks of life so they can learn the values of good Christian living. So it's about getting something that's meaningful and in children's hands early where they can look at things, they can pick up a nice message and they can get that communicated through an easy platform. So our first product was a complete illustrated children's Bible. It's been very popular all over the world. The Bible or Bible Force in particular is about the first heroes. So, and I, we really wanted to get across the message that uh, before all else, the Bible was where the first heroes began. So we wanted to focus on that and the, um, the reasons behind the really great things these particular characters did, how they went about doing it. So for me, that was really, really important that we had that connection uh, as far as heroes were concerned. You know, I think heroes really should be, should be displaying things of good moral code, standing up for others, not being afraid to, to take on confrontation, uh, being a good member of the community, all those things are important to me, and I also think they are good examples to, to others. We also want to think about the many challenges that our heroes had to face back in those times as well. If, uh, if I think if we had to deal with some of the challenges they had to deal with, I wonder how we'd cope. So I think they've done a really good job in, in, in getting their message across and standing up for what they thought was right, and also delivering God's word. So yeah, really important heroes as far as I'm concerned. I spend a lot of time traveling the world, so I have a lot of time for reflection and thanks. I have lots of time to really reflect, and I, and I do use that time quite selfishly, because when I'm at home, I don't have a lot of time. It's more about, I'm so busy at home, so I've really got to take those quieter times when I've got them, and use that to the best of my time to really reflect on what I've got and be thankful. I have become recently familiar with the Jesus Calling product, and I quite like them. 
I see them as a, as a daily um, kickstart to your day. And I think it's really important. And, and, and since I've been reading them, I can relate them to my, uh, my everyday life, which I think is really important. And this is from the March 29th quote. And, and I think this is really relevant to a, whole, to a whole raft of things, just in life in general. And this says, uh, stop trying to work things out before their times have come. Accept the limitations of living one day at a time. When something comes to your attention, ask me whether or not it is part of today's agenda. If it isn't, release it into my care and go on about today's duties. When you follow this practice, there will be a beautiful simplicity about your life. A time for everything and a time for everything in its time. A life lived close to me is not complicated or cluttered. When your focus is on my presence, many things that once troubled you lose their power over you. Though the world around you is messy and confusing, remember that I have overcome the world. I have told you these things so that me and you may have peace. And I think that's a really relevant, relevant statement. Because, um, you know, there's so much going on in our lives, uh, whether it be work or, or school or um, other commitments or social media. There's just so many distractions. And this, to me, is all about prioritising things. It lets you know there's other people in your life that you can depend on other than yourself. I think that's really important. To learn more about Bible Force, please visit BibleForce.net. If you'd like to hear more stories about finding God in unexpected ways, check out our interview with music artist David Crowder. Next time on the Jesus Calling Podcast, we'll feature a special story about The Next Door, a nonprofit organization dedicated to serving women in crisis and equipping them for lives of wholeness and hope. We'll talk to some of the women who have come through their program, like Asia Tate, who gives credit to The Next Door for teaching her how to handle and cope with difficult situations. At first, when my brother passed, I almost immediately went right back to drinking and drugging because that's the only thing that made me feel no feelings. But once I walked through the process of The Next Door and I was able to process his death a little more day by day and to gain a relationship with God and understand why God does things, he does things for the greater. Do you love hearing these stories of faith weekly from people like you whose lives have been changed by a closer walk with God? Then be sure to subscribe to the Jesus Calling Stories of Faith podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. If you like what you're hearing, leave us a review so that we can reach others with these inspirational stories. And you can also see these interviews on video as part of our original web series, with a new interview premiering every other Sunday on Facebook Live. Find previously broadcast interviews on our YouTube channel on IGTV or on JesusCalling.com video.